ago, uh, I was able to hike uh, the lava tubes in Flagstaff, Arizona. One of my favorite parts of Arizona that I didn't honestly know before we came here uh, was all the hiking that takes place and all the different terrain and, and all the different settings you can hike. And this particular hike was different, though. I wasn't hiking up a mountain. If you've done the lava tubes, you know I was hiking down into the earth. In fact, as you drive up, it just seems dumb. Right, because you're like, where is the hike? And you're like, oh, it's that, you see that hole in the ground? Crawl down in there, right? And I did this with a bunch of pastors, so I don't know what that says about our godliness or wisdom, right? Um, but we did this hike down into this cave called the, the lava tubes. And, and what you have to do is, is bring headlamps and, and flashlights because it gets really dark. In fact, as you get to the very end of the tunnels, if no one else is around, which that's what was our case, you can turn off your headlamps, turn off your phones, and it will be as pitch black as you have ever seen it. And so we did that. And I'm with uh, some other guys, and so at first it's like pitch black. We're like, I can't even see my hand. And just idiots, right? Um, and we're laughing. It's kind of fun, right? But eventually, like five minutes in, it starts to turn a little scary. And nobody said it was scary. I just mean in our hearts we were scared, Right? Because you start to imagine, like five minutes of pitch black, you start to imagine some things. You start to imagine like, hey, that hole, we, we had to crawl down in here. Like what if like one boulder just fell on top and we couldn't get out of this place? You start to realize this is dangerous in the dark. You start to realize it's lonely in the dark. Like I knew I was with six other guys, but I couldn't see them. If one of them just snuck away, I wouldn't know. Like I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. You start to realize it's deceptive in the dark. Like you start to see things. Some of you have been there at night when you're getting up to go to the bathroom and you see something that looks like something else, but it really looks like that, but it's not that. Anybody with me? And you realize in a moment like that in utterly darkness, that it's lonely, deceptive, and dangerous. But then what did we do? After about five minutes, headlamp back on. Phones back on. And it was so interesting to me to, to see as deceptive and dangerous as the dark was, also how comforting and clarifying the light was. And some of you have experienced that. And you need to know, this is why scripture is so powerful and relevant for our lives, is it uses that contrast of light and darkness over and over and over because God knows how impactful that is in our actual spiritual lives. And the Gospel of John uses this contrast of light and darkness. If you read the Gospel of John, you'll see this contrast over and over and over. And so we're going to look at that contrast today, specifically as Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Uh, this is week two of Jesus according to Jesus. We're looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Today is I am the light of the world. We want to see what does that mean for our lives? What's God trying to teach us about our lives that he is the light. So that's where we're headed. John chapter 8, if you don't already have that in your Bible, open it up now and look along with me. John chapter 8, 12 through 14 is where we're going to read. I will read it and you follow along with me and then we'll break it down. John 8, starting in verse 12, it says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Here's the big idea over the top of our time this morning. It's that the light of Jesus reveals, rescues, and renews. The light of Jesus, if you're taking notes, reveals, rescues, and renews. We're just going to break each one of those words down in our time together. So first, the light of Jesus reveals. First, Jesus reveals that he's God. We'll get to the light in a second, in a second but just with I am, Jesus is revealing he was God. If you missed the first sermon, go back and watch it on YouTube. We set this whole thing up that Jesus isn't just coincidentally saying I am instead of I do. Jesus is saying, I am, because that statement just by itself packs a punch. Right? He's deriving that from Exodus chapter 3, Moses and the burning bush. The first time God says his name, gives his name, he says, I am. And what we said last week is that phrase just in and of itself, it's saying that, that God is self-sustaining, self-existent, utterly independent, the absolute standard for goodness and truth in the world. He's never changing. I am. And so seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus intentionally says, I am. I am the same God who's utterly independent, just like the God of the Old Testament. I'm doing some miracles, but my message is greater than these miracles. I am God. So just by that, as Jesus is talking to these religious leaders, he's saying, I am God. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I am, notice, look at the text with me, not a light, but the light. Not the light of Jerusalem, but the light of the world. These Pharisees, these religious leaders, they knew the contrast of light and darkness. They knew all the Old Testament passages of God being light. They knew that God was the first light. He would be the eventual final light. That is, he created everything. He said, let there be light. That eventually we won't need the actual sun because we'll have the son of God and he'll be our light. They knew in the Psalms, the Lord is my light and salvation. They knew this and Jesus intentionally says, I am self-sustaining, self-existing, but I'm also the light of the world. Jesus makes it abundantly clear he's God. And as per usual, the religious leaders, they don't like that too much, right? They don't like that too much. So you have to picture the scene here. In John chapter 8, earlier we read that Jesus is seated in the temple and he's teaching. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, in this moment, Jesus, I mean, just a minute, I'm teaching right now. If you were inter to interrupt me and call me a liar, that's what just happened with Jesus. Did you read what it said in verse 13? It said, hey, you can't be your own witness. This is not true what you're saying. And they're, they're talking about, like, even a court of law, you need other independent witnesses to affirm and testify to your claims. We know that today. And that's what they're saying. Hey, Jesus, you can't just claim to be the light of the world. You can't just claim to be God. Where are your witnesses? And as I studied that this week, I just thought, how would I respond in that moment if I was Jesus? <laughs> do you ever do that? Is that just me? I mean, these Pharisees are like, hey, Jesus, where, can we see some witnesses? If I were Jesus, I would have said, love to, love to, glad you asked. 
Uh, witness one, come on down. Um, you know when I fed the 5,000 with a Lunchable and had leftovers, and actually it wasn't 5,000, witness one, it was 15,000 men, women, and kids with a Lunchable, and there were leftovers, witness one, come on down. Witness two, when I walked on water, hey, come on down. But Jesus didn't say any of that because he's more patient and gracious than me, right? I would have just said, yeah, that's, by the way, those two things I mentioned, John chapter six, one chapter, he's got those two witnesses, right? I would have said that and dropped the mic. But Jesus doesn't say that. Look at what he says. He says, here's my witnesses, where I came from and where I am going. He says, hey, here's my two witnesses, God the Father, God the Father. You see, over and over, even we're going to see it later in John chapter 8, John will talk about, hey, I'm going to be with my Father. Hey, you don't know me and you don't know my Father. Later in the Gospels, he says, I and my Father are what? One. Jesus will constantly say, hey, I have the authority of the Almighty. I came from God the Father. I am. I preexisted time. I will go back to be with my Father. And that is my witness. And we learn later, the Pharisees, they don't like that either. Because at the end of John chapter 8, they pick up stones and they're ready to kill Jesus. And it says Jesus hid from them. So make no mistake, Jesus is claiming to be God. And as he says, I am, and I am the light of the world, and I come from my Father, I'm returning to my Father. Listen, if you are part of the church and you're kind of like, Jesus is one of a few different ways, you need to just read these I am statements. Jesus is making exclusive, radical, profound claims. So much so that people wanted to kill him. He wasn't just a nice guy. You don't kill nice guys. You don't crucify nice guys on the cross. You kill people, you crucify people who say things like, I am the light of the world and I came from my father and I'm going back to him. Do you see God like that? Do you see Jesus like that? He's wanting to make sure you see him like that. But what's amazing about Jesus is he's not just declaring he is God. He's describing what God is like. Hence, this imagery of light. Remember, Jesus is a masterful preacher. While my illustrations as a preacher can sometimes be distracting, Jesus' illustrations were always unveiling. As he says he's light, he's trying to teach you something about what God is like. And so the first thing we see is that Jesus is light in that he reveals. He reveals God to us. We've already talked about that. That's the good news. But there's also some bad news. He also reveals sin. John chapter 3 says, the wicked works of man will be exposed in the light. We know in Psalm 139, that passage, we love to speak at baby dedications of how God knew us even in the womb and nothing was hidden from him. And we kind of love that. It's really comforting for us to know, hey, God had a plan for my life even before I was born. And there's so much comfort in that. But there's also some sobriety to that. You see, David in Psalm 139, it says, even when, when I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. See, what David is talking about, Sheol, sometimes people call it hell. It's this deep pit underneath the ground. 
And it wasn't a pretty place. It wasn't an honorable place. It was the imagery of the darkest sin and death. And what David says amidst that cute baby dedication passage is, God, even in my darkest sin, you're there. You see it. See, Jesus is light. He reveals God, but he also reveals sin. And some of us this morning, if we're honest, there is some of what we would call, which doesn't actually exist, just so you know, hidden sin, secret sin in our life. In Christian churches, we kind of get our own little jargon and we say, like, anybody got any hidden sin here? You need to bring it before the altar, secret sin in your life. And there's books written about that. There's no such thing as hidden sin. Do you see that? Even the depths of Sheol, God is there. Nothing is hidden from God. There's no hidden sin or secret sin or lust that nobody knows about or or pride that you're concealing in your heart that isn't shown externally or greed on the side or a second bank account that your wife doesn't know about. There's no hidden sin from God. God sees everything. The light of Jesus reveals God, but it also reveals sin. And some of you may think, okay, well, Tim, that's the bad news. No, 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 no. That's the good news too. That in God's grace, he doesn't just reveal himself. He reveals the sin that if you try to hide it, it will kill you and you'll die in it, Jesus will say. And so over and over, Jesus will wake people up to their sin. He'll expose it. That's his grace to you. Do you know that? The light of Jesus reveals. And so if you're walking in some quote, unquote, secret sin, you need to know it's not secret to God. Like the God who hung the stars in the universe, he sees that sin, he knows. And in his grace, at some point, you think, I'm getting away with it. This person doesn't. Some point, he'll make it known because he loves you. He has a plan for you. That's the light of Jesus. That's our second point. The light of Jesus doesn't just reveal the sin, he rescues you from it. You see, as we continue this imagery of light, you need to know in the ancient world, and Pastor AC talks about this in our fancy study guide. Have you seen? He talks about, I read it this week in my midweek meditation. He talks about how in the ancient world, we didn't have street lights and headlights. They just had like lanterns and fire. And so a lot of times, just like in our day, bad things happen at night. It's a cover for evil. Especially back then, thieves would target their their prey at night. People would target their enemies at night. Why? Because you couldn't see anything. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the light of the world. I rescue out of that danger of potential sin. I rescue out of the destruction of current sin. It's like in my house. I don't know how it works at your house for trash, but my trash is in my back alley. Anybody there with me? And I have to pray to God, Jesus, light of the world, every night when I take that trash out. That that little black cat won't get me. I don't like cats. Or some strangers, not, I mean, anybody with me? I put the trash in every night and I'm like, somebody, what was that? And what I start to do is take my mag light out there as a light, but you know, as a weapon too, right? There's heavy batteries in that mag light. Anybody testify with me? Because the darkness is dangerous. 
And if something happens, I need to know there's some rescue. I need to tell my wife, babe, I'm going to take out the trash. Pray for me, right? Because as things are revealed, as danger is revealed, there also needs to be a rescue out of that danger. See, here's the goodness of Jesus. He doesn't just want to reveal your sin to shame you over it. He wants to reveal you to free you from it. Do you know that? See, here's what I grew up grew up thinking in the church, and, and I, we didn't really help you with this, um, is as I talk about, just like I just talked about, no sin is hidden from God. Some of you are like, Tim, I've heard that sermon before. And you usually heard it, and it was like, hey, what if at the end of days there was a giant screen for all the world to see, and every sin you thought about, every sin you committed, you heard this illustration before, was on that screen before the whole world to see. That's what you think of when you hear the light of Jesus knows all my sin, reveals all my sin. You think of shame. You feel shame. And let me just tell you, that's not the point of the light of Jesus. We see it in Isaiah chapter 42. We see the promise of light, but also the purpose of light. Listen, verse seven, it's to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. That's the purpose of light. That's the purpose of revealing sin. Nobody's trying to put all your sin on a spotlight, on a screen, so you can be shamed. We're trying to put the sin out there to be healed, to be rescued from this dungeon. And some of you know that dungeon. Some of you, that, that dungeon of, of pride is killing you. It's killing your relationships. Some of you, that dungeon of greed and, and spending is killing your, your marriage. Some of you, that dungeon of lust is killing your relationships and your freedom and life. And it's killing you. And it's got you stuck in a dungeon. And you're just like in the darkness. And it's lonely. And God's saying, hey, there's a light that reveals that sin, but is also so good to pull you out of it. One of the things I love is just the flow of scripture and you see it really powerfully right before this statement. I've, I've seen the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. I've seen this statement over and over, but I didn't realize the passage before it till this week. See the passage right before this verse, I am the light of the world. Jesus doesn't just say he's light of the world. He shows it. He shows it with this woman who's caught in adultery. Some of you will know the story. These Pharisees, religious leaders, they bring this woman to Jesus. And Jesus is the light of the world. So yes, her sin of adultery is revealed. But guess what? Also the sin of the religious leaders of hypocrisy is revealed. What does Jesus do with the woman caught in adultery? He says, oh, you want a stoner? Yeah, everybody who doesn't have sin, let's try this. You pick up a stone. You just hear all the stones dropping in the ground. Jesus reveals her sin, but also the sins of others, also the religious pride. Some of you right now, you're thinking, Tim, people struggle with lust, people struggle with pride, people struggle with greed, gossip. You may struggle with religious pride. And Jesus wants to reveal and rescue out of that as well. But what you see with this woman who's caught in adultery, it's, it's beautiful. He says to her, hey, hey, who condemns you now? And she says, no one. And he says, well, neither do I. That's the point of the light of Jesus. It's a rescue. It's not a pointing you to shame. It's a pulling you out of that shame. That's the light of Jesus. 
He reveals. He rescues. He does that with the woman. He wants to do that in your life. But here's what I know. I know if we really believe that, we would confess a lot more. Amen? If we really believed that, Jesus is the light of the world. He reveals but also rescues. We wouldn't hide from community anymore, would we? We would seek it out. If we knew, James 5, that there's healing when we confess our sins. Who wants healing from their sins? Everybody. If we really believed Jesus was the light of the world, we would confess it. We would not drift from community when we're in sin. We would seek out community when we're in sin. But that's not what we do because we believe that lie. We think the spotlight is coming upon us to shame us, not to heal us. It's like last night, my wife and I were chaperones at the Phoenix Christian homecoming dance. There was a lot of darkness (laughs) I mean, just literally, like, it was dark as a dance. And I, honestly, I helped out my wife. She's on staff at Phoenix Christian. I helped out primarily for this illustration. <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, man, it's be so great. Like, I am going to take the flashlight, not the mag light. That's crazy. That would be weird. I'd get kicked out. But I'm going to take my flashlight on my phone, and as soon as I see not enough space for Jesus, you know what I'm saying, in this dance, I'm going to shine that light and bust them. Which was actually funny because at a dance in 2021, you didn't have to worry about that. You know, you know why? Because the only light in the darkness you saw was blue light from people's phones. <laughs> Nobody was dirty dancing. Everybody was just looking at their phone, right? It's much safer, I guess. Uh, we'll take that. But listen, that's how we think. Is that not how you think of the light of Jesus revealing your sin? Hey, what are you doing there? Hey, you're caught. Hey, is there enough space for Jesus? That's how we think of it, functionally. But yet Jesus wants to tell you, no, I'm the light of the world. And what that means is I want to rescue you, heal you out of your sin. I'm not trying to get you in a scene at the end of days where everybody gets to see your sin and you're all full of shame. No, I want to rescue you. I want to heal you. I want to save you. The light of Jesus reveals, but it also rescues. Do you function as that's true in your life? The last thing, the light of Jesus reveals, rescues, but it also renews. This is a a fresh illustration for the Jewish people, this imagery of light. And most of us, we think of the imagery of light, we think of the sun, and that's appropriate to think of. But also in this specific context, as we come to John chapter 8, they are coming out off of the Passover of the feasts and the tabernacles. And what that was, was it was celebrating all the time in the wilderness for the Israelite people in the Old Testament where God led his people, he guided his people on a path in the midst of the wilderness where they felt lost, God showed up and says, hey, here I'm gonna light your path. And they would have known this. As Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, they were just celebrating how how God was their light by fire at night, by a lit up cloud during the day. As they walked through the wilderness, as they pursued freedom and rescue that God lit up their path through a fire. And as Jesus says, I am light, they would have associated with that. This is what they were celebrating. See, Psalm 119 tells us this, that we let God's word light a new path for us. His word is like a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. What I love about that woman caught in adultery is we don't often read this last part, but he doesn't just say, I don't condemn you. What does he say? 
Go and sin no more. He gives her a new path. He lights a new way. And the light can be clarifying, comforting, because we start to experience freedom to know you do not have to stay in the dark of that sin. Because that's what the dark will tell you. It's deceptive. Things will look like freedom, but they're actually bondage. Things will look like this is going to satisfy me, but will actually deprive you. And some of you, if you're honest, you've been in the dark so long, all you see is deception. And as God rescues you out of that sin and out of that darkness, he doesn't just say, okay, now you're free. No, he gives you a better path. He doesn't say just abstain from this sin. He says replace this sin. There's a new path. There's a new way. He lights up a new path for the woman caught in adultery. He lights up a new path for you with his word, through prayer, through community. But here's what I know is you have to take that path. You see, what's fascinating about Jesus, he doesn't just give light. He is light. Do you see the difference? Jesus is light. This is a declaration, but it's also an invitation. He says it in the passage. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How do we get out of darkness? We follow the light. We take steps towards the light. We go through Community, we get out of isolation, we get out of the dark, we step towards the light. Instead of somebody just saying, how are you doing? And you say, good, fine, how are you doing? We stop for a moment to say, and maybe don't air all your sins right in that moment after church, but you stop for a moment and say, man, I've been kind of struggling. Can we meet for coffee? Stepping towards the light. In a moment with your spouse as you feel like you're just in the dark. You're just kind of cold to one another. There's conflict with one another. And you just think, we could just turn on the TV. We could turn out the lights and just stay in the dark. In a moment, husbands, you do this. You lead the way in this. You say, no, 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 we're just going to pray together. Step towards the light. There's a new path. The light of Jesus reveals, it rescues, it also renews. And if you take a moment just to take a step towards the light, God will change you. It's a declaration. It's an invitation for you this morning. Do you know that? It's a promise. So listen, there's two options. Are you stepping towards the light of Jesus and therefore light is lighting up your life? Or are you sinking deeper in darkness? When I picture this, I just picture this long stairwell. And at the top, there's light. You could see it through the crease of the door. There's light. That's the light of Jesus. And we're all in this stairwell. And down there, that's shale. That's the pit of darkness. And your lust, pride, gossip, greed, your self-righteousness. There's dark. And you're either walking up towards the light or you're sinking deeper in that darkness, which one is it for you? There's not a mediocre place in between where you just go to religious services and do, go through the motions and do the thing. You're either sinking in darkness or you're gravitating towards the light, the person of Jesus Christ. Which one is that for you? Are you taking those steps of community, of prayer, of God's word to be renewed in the light of Jesus? Are you just saying, no, Tim, I'm good. I'm going to sink deeper in this darkness. See, I think some of us, we stay in the darkness because we don't believe the light can overcome the darkness. Like you stay in the pride because you're like, but that's kind of how I get ahead in the world. 
you stay in the lying because you think I've already lied too much. It's too dark. And so that's why scripture says in John chapter 1, same gospel, the light of God has shined in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's why when Jesus is on the cross, it says for three hours, darkness covered the earth. Why? Why don't we get that imagery? That's to remind you, in the darkest day in all of history, when all of sin, past, present, and future, all of sin, commission, omission, pride, lust, gossip, greed, self-righteousness, all of that sin was poured out on Jesus on the cross. And so much so that literally it became dark for three hours so that we could see in the darkest moment there was still a light. It couldn't be overcome. Jesus died and is buried, but he rises again and the light shines again. Amen? The darkness of death can be overcome. The darkness of your pride can be overcome. Amen? The darkness of death can be overcome with the light of Jesus. The darkness in your marriage and that conflict, the darkness in your job, the, the lying deceit, it can be overcome. Amen? That's Jesus is the light of the world. Are you stepping towards that light? God's inviting you to take a step towards that light this morning. Don't wallow in darkness. Take a step towards the light. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for this word. I pray that we would believe it and walk in it. God, I pray that some this morning would who are in the, the darkness of depression, anxiety, of sin, that, God, you would shine the light in their heart right now by the power of your spirit. And they would realize they can just take a step closer to you and experience light. And they would start to experience joy in the midst of the darkness of sorrow and light of community and the, the darkness of isolation and the light of renewal in the darkness of just being stagnant, if we're honest. God, right now, I just pray that you would light up every person in this room, that you would reveal some sin, you would rescue us out of it, you would show us a better way and renew us by the power of your spirit. Jesus, we, we do look to the cross and the resurrection, we do look to the light that makes even the darkness tremble. And we look to the light that overcomes our darkness, and we walk towards it right now. We declare it in your name, Jesus, to be true for our lives. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.